please, to John chapter 3. John 3, and probably you don't even need to turn there. But tonight I want to talk about this, this idea or this subject, the all of the gospel, the all of the gospel. John chapter 3 and verse 16. Do I need to move this, guys, to where it doesn't up? Okay. Is that better? All right. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege tonight that we have to be able to open your word and to look at what you have for us. I pray that you would please be with my mind, be with my mouth, that you would help me be able to say what you would want me to say tonight. Lord, help it to be clear. Help it to be an encouragement. Help it to be a blessing. And we'll thank you for what you'll do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The all of the gospel. Uh, in Bible college, one thing I noticed is, as students especially would quote this verse is they like to focus on the all. And they would say, they would say something about how uh, all means all. And I don't know how many times I've heard the expression all means all to the point where as I was reaching the end of my time in Bible college, I got tired of hearing every single speaker come to the, the pulpit. And I'm not trying to sound bad, Dr. Comfort. But all these young guys come into the pulpit and saying somewhere in their message, all means all. But you know what? All does mean all. <laughs> and the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And unfortunately, I'm sorry, I've preached in Spanish. Unfortunately, I've preached in Spanish uh, 120, 150 times in the last 14 months and some... My mind's getting messed up right now. <clears throat> Unfortunately, um, many times as we, as we think about missions, and tonight I do want to speak about missions, and as we think about the need of the world, and as we think about the gospel, we understand intellectually that all means all, and we say amen, and we come to church, and we hear about the needs of places, and we think, praise the Lord, go there, uh, go, to, go to Iraq, go to Colombia, go to Peru, go to all of these different places, and, and we know intellectually and in our heart that everywhere needs the gospel. But we don't really understand what that means for us. We don't understand what that means for our church, or I should say we don't remember what that means for our church. And we don't, we don't really grasp the kind of responsibility that each of us individually, personally has, because all does mean all. And so tonight I want to just start with, I have four points tonight. It's much better than the first message I preached at this church, 14 points. Pastor will never forget it, I guarantee you. But I only have four points tonight. The first one, and all of them are very simple, and we know all of them already, but we're just going to repeat them tonight. Number one, God cares for all. God cares for all. We know that as we look at it, as we read, and as we think about John chapter 3, 16, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But if that's true, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, it's also true that whosoever doesn't believe in him shall perish and have eternal damnation. So if it's true that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ and we have eternal damnation if we don't have Christ, then that means that every single person in the world God cares for, he loved them so much he sent his only begotten son for them, but it also means that they need to hear the message. Right? 
think about that with me. That also means that everybody in my generation needs to hear the message of Christ. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a, I grew up in a pastor's home, and, and I went to church an awful lot as a kid. And as you hear preaching, and you hear preaching, and you hear preaching, and you have missionaries come in, and you hear where, where their missionary at, Mexico. Oh, okay. I've known about 40 other missionaries going to Mexico. We begin to, to dissect the world and think in our mind they're already reached. Well, Mexico must already be reached because there's 60 missionaries that I know of in Mexico. And then we hear of somewhere else like China, and we say, China's not reached. And China's not reached, by the way, not as Mexico. But I only know of one missionary in China, or I only know of one missionary in Asia, or, or whatever it may be. And we begin to, to dissect the world, and we read missionary biographies, and, and we read about Amy Carmichael, we read about Jim Elliott, we read about people, and we see what God did in their generation, and we begin to to think that only part of the world needs the gospel. We, we, we look at the world outside of the United States and we forget the United States needs the gospel. The United States is a mission field. There's people here that need Christ. And we begin to think that maybe not everybody needs the gospel. Maybe, maybe our neighbors already heard it. And, and so I don't need to tell them. And we begin to forget that God loves all. God loves all. God's care for all. He cared for everybody so much that he sent his only begotten son that they can be saved, which means that in every sin single generation, God wants that entire generation to hear the message about Christ, and God wants that entire generation, because mine is the only generation that I have the opportunity to work with and reach. The last generation's gone. God wants every generation to be saved. God's care for all. Number two, and we're going to move through some of these very rapidly, Jesus is compassion for all. And this is where it begins to, the rubber begins to meet the road because we know that God wants everybody to be saved. We can say amen. We can say glory. We can say hallelujah. Keep, keep on going, preacher. Preach it. But, but Jesus, we see Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate. We see him uh, on earth. We see his ministry, and we begin to see how he did it. I told John I was going to preach on busyness tonight. And, uh, but we come to the life of Jesus. That's for pastor, by the way. We, we, come to, we come to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and following. And think about it with me because it hit me recently. As we're basically, if you were to put it on a map in North Carolina and try to think about what we're doing, we're living in Columbus. We are ministering in Columbus, uh, helping out a church in Columbus, and also uh, trying to see people saved there. But we're driving to Charlotte. We've got another mission coming up there. And while we're going, just because it's fun, we stop in Kings Mountain and help out another church. That's basically what we're doing, okay, to give you a geographical idea and a time idea of the driving. But I begin to think about it as we pass city after city, and I begin to think about Pasto, and I begin to think about uh, the towns that we come out as we come out of Pasto, and as we get down to Yonkonkir, as we get to Tangwa, and as we pass Tangwa, we get to Pedregada, and we get to all of these other cities that we pass along the way. And we drive by them, and they don't have Christ. They don't know Jesus. And I begin to think, who's going to reach them? And I look out on the mountainsides in both directions, and I see one little tiny house on the top of one mountain. And I think, that guy's wife has got to be so mad at him. Why did you move us on the top of this mountain? I don't know. It's an interesting story. But who's going to walk up that mountain and tell them about Jesus? Because if all means all, and if Jesus and God love all, and God sent his son for that guy on the top of that mountain, then someday somebody's got to walk up that mountain and tell that man about Jesus. Right? And that means 
somebody's go out on the other ridge line over there in, in those cities that we can't even see from here. Somebody's got to get to get to those cities over there and tell them about Jesus too, right? And, and so, so anyway, we, we come to Matthew chapter 9, 35 and following. We think about the ministry of Jesus. I begin to think about the ministry of Jesus. I begin to think about the ministry of Paul in the New Testament. And I begin to think about the timeline and think about, you know, this is not the way a normal missionary does things. I mean, you're supposed to just stay in one place, have Bible studies in your house, drink coffee, eat donuts with them, and, and, and see a church plant here and, and wait until you're done there before you do anything else, right? I'm being a little uh, alternative again, but whatever. Matthew chapter 9, 35 and following says, Jesus went about, and there's some words here. So we have God's care for all, but now we have Jesus' compassion on all. And what's it say? Jesus went about how many village, cities and villages? How many? You guys aren't very convincing. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing what? Every sickness and every disease among the people. So Jesus was preaching the gospel to all. Now, it's very interesting because I first saw this in Spanish, and then I got to thinking about it in English, but it, here in, in, the, in this passage it says, He went about all. Okay, in Spanish there's two different words that, that you can translate this idea with and they change the meaning of it. The first is por and para. Por y para, okay? Por basically means to, to go through and para goes to, okay? So are we clear on that? You are all ready to speak Spanish now, okay? You can go home and say, I learned Spanish at church tonight. That's all we did. Okay, por y para, okay? So I can go through and I can go to, okay? It doesn't use the word here that Jesus just went to their, their city or their village. The word that gets used here is that Jesus went through, and in English, I love the way it's translated, it, it, it just comes alive. He went about, the idea is this, Jesus is going not just to their city, he's going to maybe preach at one point in their, in their city or their village. No, he is literally going through the streets of their city. He's literally going through the streets of their villages. He is literally finding people. He is telling people the gospel of the kingdom. And he's going about. Do you, you get that in your mind? He's going about every city and every village to bring them the gospel. He is literally spending time in their cities and spending time in their villages, not just showing up and boom, gone because he just happened to just get there. No, he is going throughout their cities and throughout their villages so that these people can come to know him, preaching the gospel and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then the famous words that we read and we preach in missions conferences, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into harvest. You don't know how understated, and that's not understated, that's the words of the Lord, but, but, but you don't know how, how we don't understand those words. The need of this world is incredible. It, uh, you can't even begin to describe how few the laborers are amongst the multitudes of people. I, just, a, just a couple months ago, I had a, the privilege, got invited to, to fly up to, to Mexico to preach at a missions conference in Mexico. <laughs> and before I thought about it, I said yes, and then, and then the pastor held me to it. So I had to fly up to Mexico to preach this missions conference, and it was a tremendous privilege. 
but to get on the airplane and leave a place that we know the need is so big, with city after city after city, with nobody preaching the gospel to them, but then to fly over all of Colombia and to think that there's less than 10 church planting missionaries in all of Colombia, and then to, then to fly up to El Salvador and land in El Salvador, and, and to see the country and to know of the need in El Salvador, to fly over a, a part of Central America and then fly over Mexico, and to see city after city, huge populations of people, and to think, you know, I don't even know if there's a missionary there. They need the gospel. And then to get to Mexico City and find out there's more than 22 million people in Mexico City, and to sit down with a national, uh, sit down with a pastor, and he's Mexican, and ask him, how many churches are in your city? And he said, there's about 22. One church for a million people. The need of this world is huge. There's a need for laborers. Look, Dr. Comfort, just before the message said, look, the amount of people surrounding for the mission field, I forget the exact wording, but, or not mission field, for, for, uh, to be laborers. There's too few laborers. I forget the wording. Sorry about that. I can remember on deputation knowing of 11 churches that needed pastors or assistant pastors. Incredible. There's not enough laborers. There's not enough people surrendering. There's not enough people going, Jesus is compassion for all. But let's come on and let's go to the church's call to all. You say, I know what he's going to do. He's going to say, we all need to go. And if we don't go, we need to give and we need to pray, right? No. Those are good things to do. Chapter 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Two words there that are really big. All the world. Every creature. That's four words. <clears throat> but all, all of the world, there's not a geographic location that we're not supposed to go to. There's not a ridgeline that we're not supposed to go to. There's not a house on top of a mountain that we're not supposed to go to. And there's not a house in the valley that, we can't, that we're not supposed to go to. We're supposed to go to all of them, which, by the way, means for you guys, Columbus and Tryon and Spartanburg and Forest City, that I don't even know. And the backside, of, backside here behind Saluda, that whole mountain needs to hear about Jesus. Every single house on that mountain needs to get the message about Jesus. And, and, and so uh, the churches call to all. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We don't, I'm just going to say this, we don't have to like it. We don't have to love it. We ought to. But the command is the command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our call. Acts chapter 1. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The church's call to all. You and I have a call to go to all. But I want to focus as we finish up tonight on just this last point. The search for all. The search for all. Go with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. The search for all. Because it gets really weighty to think about all, doesn't it? That's a lot of people. To think about Pasto, 600, 650,000 people is what the locals tell me they have. If I only went by the Internet, he would tell me 450,000. But if I go by what the locals say, we got more. I'd rather go by what the Internet says. Less work, right? But, but to think about all, the problem is I can't preach to everybody. But I can talk to one person at a time. I can tell one person about a time about Jesus, and sometimes we get lost, and missionaries like to do this. They like to, they like to find the capital city, the biggest city. And, and you see a mission presentation, and it's got that biggest place. But you know what? 
that big place is full of individual people. That big place is full of families, one person at a time. And our job and our responsibility we need to realize is to talk to people about Jesus, one person at a time. Yes, we preach to multitudes. Yes, we preach to crowds. But many times people are one to Christ because somebody that they know took the time to give them the gospel. Somebody that they love, somebody who's prayed for them, somebody who knows them tells them about Jesus. It's your neighbor, it's your child, it's your family member, it's your friend, it's your coworker. Like my, my, like my father-in-law, he got saved because his coworker told him about Jesus and he would fight with his coworker. And then when his coworker left, he'd go into the office and read the Bible that the guy had left in there. And, and you know what, it's, it's one person at a time. We come to John chapter 4, and I'm fascinated by this because we find Jesus going about through all the cities and through all the villages and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But then we find him dealing with individual people. He preached to the multitudes off of a boat. He preached to the multitudes on the mountaintops. He fed 5,000. He fed multitudes of people. He healed multitudes of people. But we find interactions with person after person, like Nicodemus in the middle of the night that came to Jesus to talk to him. And like this woman here, the woman at the well, you and I know the story very well. When therefore the Lord knew, the Pharisees had heard more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he must needs, and that's important right there, he must needs go through Samaria. And I have a question tonight for you, and I, I believe we might have even looked at this passage before. I know you've seen it. But in that day, the Jews didn't ever need to go through Samaria. The Jews hated the Samaritans. We find it in this passage of Scripture. This lady says to Jesus, why are you talking to me? Don't you know the Jews don't, they don't talk to us around here. She couldn't understand why this man would talk to her at this well. I imagine as she approached the well, she was wondering why he didn't just get up and leave. But in our, in our passage, it says that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Why did Jesus need to go through Samaria? It's because he knew that there was one lady. She was a lady that was as, as bad as Elizabeth Taylor. She had had five husbands, Right? And he knew that that lady needed the gospel. She needed Jesus. And so that day, Jesus needed to go through Samaria because there was a lady that needed to hear the gospel of the kingdom. And before it's done, and we're not going to take the time to dissect it, before it's done, Jesus leads this woman to himself. And she, she gets saved, and her life is changed forever. The search for all. Uh, friend, you and I tonight, we have a responsibility given to us by God to see people come to know Christ. And you don't have to have your name, uh, you don't have to have pastor attached to your name. You don't have to name, have the name missionary attached to your name. You don't have to have the word deacon attached to your name or Sunday school teacher. All you have to have attached to your name is child of God, Amen. saved, son of God. And if I'm a child of God, then I know the King of Kings. I know the Lord of Lords. I have the Holy Spirit in my life. I have the privilege, the ability, and the command of the Lord to tell people about Jesus. That's my responsibility as a child of God. And if I have that, then I have the ability to reach one person at a time with the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And go with me now as we, as we leave this woman at the well, this lady who Jesus showed compassion on, and he came to her city and he told her the good news about himself. And let's go over to Acts, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. This is a passage that to me just fascinates me. Because as we come to Acts chapter 8, we find God at work in a mighty way in Samaria. We are just in Samaria with the woman at the well. But now we come to Acts chapter 8, and we find that there's an evangelist that came back. And, and this evangelist, he comes back, and he's preaching in the cities of Samaria, and he's seeing God do incredible things. He's seeing people healed. 
He's seeing people saved. And we come to Acts chapter 25, and it says this, and they, and now Peter has come. Peter's, Peter's seen some God do, do some work there. It says they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem, talking about Peter, and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And now Philip's still back there. It's like the missionary on the field. And he's had some people come from the United States, and they're helping him reach people with the gospel. He's, he's having them help uh, strengthen up some, some people in the Lord. And Peter's come from Jerusalem, and Peter's been a blessing, and Peter's helped, and people are saved, and now they've left. And it's interesting, as they go back, they stop in city after city, and they preach the gospel to them too. But now in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, The angel of the Lord spake to Philip, saying, Arise, and go to the south, toward the south to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, Gaza, which is desert. Some of the strangest word in all, in words in all Scripture. Peter, you have a ministry that's being blessed by me. Peter, people are being saved. Peter, it's incredible. It's a revival what's going on in Samaria. And guess what I want you to do? I want you to get, in a, I want you to get up and I want you to go to a desert where there's nobody. Incredible, right? But God knew that there was one person that was taking a trip through the desert. Just one person. We're on a search for all. And if we're on a search for all, then we're on a search for one lone guy in the desert too, right? And so God was on a search for one lone guy in a chariot going across the desert. Pretty incredible, isn't it? We come to Acts chapter 8, verse 27. And, goes and, went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. You and I know the story. Uh, he, he preaches to him Jesus, and as they went on their way, verse 36, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water, what did hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down to the water. He got baptized. He got up. Peter got caught away. His job was just to reach one person in one place across the desert. Philip is called away. The guy goes on his way, takes the gospel back to his home country, we're on a search for all. I'll never, I'll never forget um, just a few, this will be about a month and a half ago now, maybe even only a month ago, but Pastor Sharon said to us, he said, hey, we got a, we got a, um, a holiday coming up here in Columbia, and he said, I want to take you and Pastor Rowe, he's the, he's the other American missionary who, praise the Lord, is helping us right now while we're gone. Um, <clears throat> let me just back up and tell you that. God's been doing some incredible things in Columbia, not to our glory but all to his glory not because of us it's only him before we went to columbia i made one phone call to bearing precious seed in ohio and after i made the one phone call the late the, the lady answered the phone and all i was asking is do you guys print bibles i mean you're by your bible printing group so do you print bibles uh, <clears throat> strange question to call the secretary and ask right and she said yeah we do print bibles and you say you're going where we're going to columbia and she said okay she said my husband's been really interested in Colombia for a long time. He's been a missionary to Cuba, training national pastors. She said, would you mind if I gave your husband my, uh, your phone num- my husband your phone number? And I, sure, that's fine with me. Go ahead, give him, give him my phone number, that's fine. And I forgot about it. A few months later, we're in Colombia, and, and by then we we're, were going down to Ipialis, and, and I was driving down to Ipialis. It was probably about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, and I get a phone call out on the mountains in the middle of nowhere. You can call me in Colombia, and I'll get your phone call depending on where I'm at. But uh, I got the phone call, and I'm, and I'm driving to Ipialis, and actually I was driving to Las Lajas, and I was r- arriving at Ipialis, and picked up the phone, 
And he began to talk to me and tell me. He said, look, he said, here at Bearing Precious Seed, we've decided that we want to do a Bible project. And we'd like to highlight Columbia. Would it be okay if we did a Bible project and we sent you a container load, a sea crate container load, 40 foot, full of Bibles? And yeah, that would be, that'd be great. We were just calling about getting a couple cases. <laughs> anyway, and so the Bibles have been printed. The Bibles, last I heard, are in Canada, many of them. They're being assembled by local churches. And then, Lord willing, the end of this year, they're going to be put on sea crate and they're going to be shipped down to Columbia. So pray for that Bible shipment. 1,500 cases of Bibles, New Testaments, and John and Romans. And so, anyway. But you know the interesting thing? It wasn't just a phone call about Bibles. It was also this, this, this guy has been interested in Columbia for a long, long time. And he's wanted to come to Columbia as a missionary. He's wanted to come and he's wanted to train national pastors. And so he said, you know, would you mind if, uh, if I came down around Thanksgiving, this was last year, if I came down around Thanksgiving and if I just met up with you guys and kind of get an idea of where we're going to put the Bibles and, and various things and just get to know you. And, and so he did, he came down. When he left, he said, would you, would you mind if I came back? And so he's come back with the purpose of starting a Bible institute to train national pastors to be pastors and missionaries. And now we don't have to reinvent the wheel and we don't have to do it all by ourselves. God's brought someone in, and he didn't know it, but he came down this fall, and now he's, he would preach church this afternoon in, in, in San Juan. He's helped get people where they need to go, and God's at work. So I don't remember where I was going with that story. But anyway, God's doing an awful lot there. Uh, the search for one, but I'll never, I'll never forget, uh, just a few weeks ago, Pastor Sharon said to him and me, he said, uh, he said, Matt, he said, why don't we go out, and we, he wanted to go to visit two towns to show us two new towns that don't have anyone working it, no one, no one bringing the gospel, no one telling them about Jesus, and I, I said to, to, to Pastor Rowe, I said, yeah, he just wants to show us two more places we can't get to. <laughs> we can't even get to the cities we know of. We've been in, um, we've been in 20 different cities since we've been there. We've, we've gone back and we've done evangelism in, I think, 12 or 14 of those different cities. We've seen people saved in at least six of those cities. And, and so we're doing what we can do. We're getting where we can go. But he showed us two more cities and this was after you were there, brother, uh, brother John. And, and so we went, and it says you're headed out of Pasto, and you get to uh, it's before you get to Yanquaquer, where they where they killed a missionary in the 50, in the 40s. But it's before you get to there, you take a left off of the main highway, and you follow the road back over a ridge line, and then you wind your way through some mountains, and you get to two little towns, and and we get we get to the the one town, and we make our way down a street. Uh, to the very end when the road ends. And at the very end of the road, there was this Catholic church about 67 feet tall. And there's this little courtyard area in front of it. And so we get out of the car. The pastor row wanted to take a couple pictures. And so we get out of the car and uh, off to the corner of the Catholic church, just right across the first house across from the Catholic church, there was this old lady sitting there. And Pastor Sarone and I walked up to the lady and began to talk with her. Pastor Sarone talked with her for a bit and I talked with her for a bit begin to share the gospel with Blanca. And right there, right as it began to rain, catty corner across from the Catholic church in a town that I don't think the gospel has ever been to. We had never been there, didn't even know it existed. But right across from a Catholic church, Blanca, over, over I think 82, 83 years of age, trusted Christ as her Savior. Just one person. We're not, we don't have a church in that city. We're not planning anytime soon to start in a church in that city. We don't have the time if we wanted to in that city. But God's on a search for all. God's on a search for Blanca in that little town. 
God's in a search for uh, a little girl that got saved over in Nariño, passing through the park, gave her the gospel, trusted Christ as her Savior. God's on a, on a search for somebody in Boisaco who trusted Christ as their Savior. God's on a search for people in every single town, in every single place where we minister, but he's on a search for everybody también en su ciudad. Everybody as well in your city. God's on a search for people. God wants people to hear the message, the gospel, to be saved, their lives to be changed. Go with me to Jude, and we're going to look at verse 23 and 24, and we'll be done. Jude, verse 23 and verse 24. And others, the Bible says, save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hitting even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now, unto him that's able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Why do I come here? Because every time I come to this passage, I just think of this. It says, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Because that's what your and my job is as a Christian. Your and my job is to realize that our neighbor literally is going to a burning hell. That our friend is, that our coworker is. That the people we know are. Yes, the people we don't know, the all that are on the other side of the world that we may never get to, they are. But it's the people that I have the opportunity to talk to wherever I'm at. It's the people that I live around. They're the people that I have the responsibility to pull them out of the fire by presenting to them the Lord Jesus Christ. Pull them out of the fire, hitting them in the garment spotted by flesh. Look, you and I have a responsibility. We have the gospel. It's an incredible trust that God has, been, that God has given us. And we need to realize that that gospel is for all. And because it's for all, and because God loves all, and because, because God has compassion on all, and we ought to as well, and our call and our command is for all, then we need to be on a search too, just like our Father in heaven is on a search to present the gospel just to one more person, one person at a time, pulling them out of the fire one more time. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege tonight that we've had to look at your word. Lord, you love all. You don't want anybody to perish. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, may we see people around us every day that we can talk to and tell them about you so that they don't have to perish and go to an eternal hell, but they'd be pulled out of the fire, that they would be saved from eternal damnation. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.